Welcome to the Shovel Pass, the NFL podcast for those that need that extra hour of football talk to get them over the hump and through the week. I'm Nick Sawyer, and I'm joined weekly by a few of my closest friends, Will Sawyer, Phil Heim, and Chris Heim, as we discuss all things NFL football from the games of the week, surprises, predictions, high performers, not-so-high performers, and anything else that stands out. Thank you for checking us out, and please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. We sincerely appreciate it. Gentlemen, how are we this evening? Not bad at all. It's Super Bowl week, so you can't really complain. Happy to be here. Happy to talk football. <laughs> Will? Good. Nice to see you. This is the Shovel Pass Podcast. I'm Nick Sawyer. This week I'm sitting down with Phil Heim and Will Sawyer. And we are a few days out from the Super Bowl. It is Wednesday, February 9th. So we've had about a week and a half since the championship, the conference championships, to digest the results. Uh, me and my Niners losing, so I, I'm, I'm, you know, not inconsolable anymore. I'm, I'm starting to come to terms with that, and uh, now I'm, now I'm just looking forward to the Super Bowl. So, and Phil, you just mentioned it. We got these two teams in the Super Bowl, and one of them. Or not, not one of them has Tom Brady as their quarterback. How about that? And, what a rarity. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> he made it. Uh, what's the math on that? 10 out of 22 is, what did I say? It's 40%. That is roughly, yep, 45% of Super Bowls he was eligible and he played in, which is a nuts statistic when you think about it. 45% of his career of was spent Bowl. playing in the Super Bowl. Again, that's about, that's, I'm pretty sure more, that's a higher likelihood of than Steph Curry making a three pointer. Like, come on. <laughs> like, that's come, crazy come on yeah like the guy that's yeah, crazy his ability to make these shots is or, and to more get more likely to be in the super bowl than steph curry is to hit yeah. a three-pointer think about that i said this like for over a decade I, I was never a betting man but like you would have made a lot of money over a you know 10 years period if every single year you put a bunch of money on tom to win it or at least be in the game You'd have made a good amount of money. Right. So right. if only I was a betting man and if only I had a time machine, I'd be <laughs> sitting here with a lot more money. I mean, but, a yeah. lot of money. By, by, the, by the, you know, the last, I don't know, the last half of his career, the odds of the, the, patch, the, the, Pat- the Patriots the Patriots being in the Super Bowl, well, it was pretty good. I mean, the, the odds weren't great. You're not making a ton of money there. No. It sort of got to the point where, like, Vegas was handicapping it so much. Like, yeah, okay, everybody's going to put money on the Patriots and Tom Brady, so – you know, you're not winning much, yeah, but and, that's uh, crazy. I mean, that stat is nuts. And actually your comparison with Steph Curry blows my mind. Like that, that's bananas. Yeah, <laughs> that just contextualizes like kind of the levels of greatness where it's like, okay, this is like, we, we, we can appreciate how hard it is to make a three pointer in the NBA, but we can also agree that that's nowhere near as hard as it's to get to the freaking Super Bowl. you know, <laughs> so yeah. it's like, and, and, well, and we talk about that so much with other players and other teams where you're sitting there going, okay, like, Romo never made, never even made it to a Super Bowl in his whole right. career, and you're going, oh yeah, but it takes so many things to go right for a team to make it to the Super Bowl. <laughs> right. Oh, they need to have all of their, you know, injuries happen at the right time of the year, and guys come back and get healthy, and you need the right mix of morale and and peaking at the right coaching time, and coaching, and, and like, injuries, and all this, all these things nah, that, that can go just wrong. Just get Tom Brady. 
all of the excuses that have that have come out of Cowboys fans' mouths at some point over <laughs> the last two decades. <laughs> and Tom Brady goes, you know, half the time, basically. Yeah, he's excuses or not. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, mean, I, I mean, think about I, all I the will great give Belichick yeah. some credit. Um, I, I'm not on board with the, this narrative that, you know, uh, Belichick was just uh, oh, uh, for sure. a facet yeah. of Tom right? Brady. Yeah, no, Nobody's no. saying that Garrett was but. was unequal to, to Belichick. <laughs> no, or even God, in the no. same <laughs> even in the same atmosphere, <laughs> like breathing the same air. No, they're not. No, <laughs> but think about all the great quarterbacks that we watched that we've watched in the last twenty two years that haven't made it to the Super Bowl or have only made it once. And the one yeah. that stands out to me is Drew Brees. Drew Brees, for all of his greatness and the fact he is, he will be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I don't think there's any argument there. And he made it to one Super Bowl. That's yeah. crazy. He played 20 years as well, just and, like Tom Brady. And, with and he Sean made Payton, it to one Super Bowl. With right. Sean, Payton, Sean Payton, who is who's, pretty right. unanimously considered a very, very good A great coach, coach a future Hall of Famer. Yeah. Yeah. I think with the with, more with, than yeah. a Jason Garrett. Oh, so that's that's without <laughs> doubt. <laughs> but I think with, with with Drew, I think that just kind of shows like how much the Saints maybe let him down. Uh, you know, you know, like that last like six seven years, especially after like the whole spy. Not spy. It's sorry, wrong gate. After the whole <laughs> after the whole bounty, bounty gate kind of thing. Right? Yeah, after the whole bounty gate kind of thing. Like that. People forget that franchise was like bereft of talent and their coach for a few years. So like there was a lot of dark years in the early in the early tens for those Saints teams as far as like defense and kind of even with Drew Brees still having six, seven, eight, nine win seasons, right? So, like, where they were hardly competitive. And, like, the, you can't, I don't think, overestimate, like, how much of an impact and how much a cloud Bandigan had over that franchise. But still, like, for Drew to get them back to being regular contenders year in, year out from, like, I think, what was it, 2014-50 onwards? Like, that's a feather in his cap. I think the fact that he won a championship in New Orleans doesn't ding him. I think the fact that he, even, you know, changed the culture at all doesn't ding him. But, again, to your point, well, like, that's – one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. You can make an argument, top 12, if not top 10 quarterback of all time. He could only take his team to one Super Bowl. Tommy right. did it in that division in his first year there. And it's like, my goodness, you're never going to see that again. So right. He yeah. won three Super Bowls in his first four years as a starting quarterback. And then won one every other year after turning 37, right. which is like, <laughs> like, that's again, crazy. And I made the argument before, like, I think the most pitiful Super Bowl in his career was 49. Because after like that one, if you if Malcolm Butler doesn't pick off Russell Wilson, Jimmy Garoppolo is your quarterback in 2015, or at the very least 2016. But you're not having a dynasty with Tom Brady again if if Malcolm Butler doesn't pick that off. So let's not yeah. forget about Malcolm as far as yeah. his his role in Tommy's legacy. Because yeah, honestly, yeah, yeah. like there isn't that last. I, I guess still, but you know yeah. what? Tom would have gone somewhere else, and, and he would have Absolutely. had an entire second dynasty right. of. Tom Brady with Team right. Two. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. And hey, I'm I'm one of the biggest uh, the Niners. There. Hey. <laughs> what was it? Uh, somebody posted a graphic online. Um, uh, was it last week or the week before that actually broke down Tom Brady's career into three yeah. distinct Hall of Fame quality careers, yeah. and they compared him to quarterbacks who either are or are going to be in the Hall of Fame, and said, "Okay, we take this." Six seven year years period or seven yeah. years and eight years and break down his his career and you can make three hall of fame careers out of him yeah <laughs> yeah it's just nuts it's just it's 
whatever whatever you thought of the stats that Jerry Rice put up and how much better he was than everybody else or how, how far ahead he was in a statistical sense from every other receiver, Tom Brady is just ridiculous. Like the number yep. of touchdowns he's thrown in the playoffs, the number of playoff games that he's played. I think he's played like four full seasons in the playoffs. Something like just that. Just playoff got, games, something yeah. crazy like that. I mean, that's bananas. And and it's not even close. Like with the next the next closest person, his record in the playoffs is, you know, crazy compared to the next best. And I, I think, Will, you're the one who shared a, a, a really cool chart with us, but it was like when quarterbacks have to throw over 40, 45 times, which is, in my opinion, <laughs> the very definition of most valuable player. If the most valuable player is going to go to the quarterback every year, why don't we get to the quarterback who's asked to have the highest volume and yet always delivers. In fact, is the only quarterback in history to what was the with minimum 400 uh, such attempts or something, but or 40 games like that. But like, yeah, to have 40 games record, with with 40 attempts or more, to, um, yeah. which plenty of quarterbacks have, have had 40 games of 40 attempts or more. But um, as a general rule, I'm I'm of the opinion and, and I'm vocal about the fact that having your quarterback throw over 40 times is not a winning recipe. No. Uh, now things are shifting in the NFL a little bit right now, but for eons, that's been kind of a rule. If your quarterback's throwing over 40 times, it's because you are chasing, you are um, trying to put up points because you're trailing, you're scrambling, or you're one-dimensional. And these are all things that are, don't bode well for your win ratio. And yeah, it was like no other quarterback um was over 40% win rate on on games um uh, with over 40 passes except Tom Brady who was like 60%. That's ridiculous. <laughs> That's so ridiculous. <laughs> he was the only one with a winning record on his career on 40 games of 40 plus uh pass attempts. So he finds ways to win even when he's forced to throw that much or when he's asked to throw that much. Uh, whereas other quarterbacks, it's usually a losing recipe. Yeah, and it didn't how was the interception numbers like on that? I feel like his interceptions were much lower than. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't recall that number, but um, I, I would say it's a reasonable guess that it's uh, substantially lower. That's one of the reasons why you see. Um, quarterbacks throwing for over 40 passes losing games it's because they're putting the ball in the air that many more times and it ends up getting intercepted more right right absolutely whereas Brady Anyways, is still efficient with that so let's end let's let's finish off this conversation about the greatness of Tom Brady, which I, how does this have anything to do with this Super Bowl? Just that, <laughs> just that and just, this is coming from a Pats fan, just that even I had Brady fatigue and that we're happy to see someone other than the GOAT in the Super Bowl. Right. And I think that's, a, and honestly, like, I think this is good for the NFL. I think, unlike what you saw in the NBA when Michael Jordan went away, when he retired the final time, the, there was a bit of a gap before they got LeBron in the league. Like, and, and since then, like, Ratings have never been quite what they used to be during the peak MJ years, but like, and since then, obviously, the NFL has just surpassed anything the NBA could, could kind of do. I think, like, even just like the shittiest Jaguars, Titans, you know, back in the day, Thursday night numbers eclipsed even there are the NBA finals figures. But I think, unlike that situation, like Tommy leaving is actually good for the NFL. I think there's going to be a lot more parity, and I'm excited to see what legacies 
these young quarterbacks in the NFC start carving out for themselves because it's a it, there's now a power vacuum. The greatest dynasty in the NFL is no longer in the NFL. So now you have a bunch of guys who have to compete every year and try to win a Super Bowl. And I can't wait to see what like how that shakes out in, over the next 20 years. And it starts this Sunday. So I'm hyped, fellas. Let's go. <laughs> Let's get this game on. Oh, it's going to be amazing. I'm I'm like I'm stoked for the Bengals fan base that they're they're back in the Super Bowl for the first time in what 40 years. Yeah. And they've never won it. So, I mean, this is a spectacular opportunity for for that team, that that franchise, that fan base. I'm excited for them. Uh I'm I'm less so for the Rams because well, a couple of reasons we all know I'm a, a Niners fan, so it's I it's hard for me to feel you know, good about them winning the Super Bowl after they they kicked us out of the playoffs. Um, but also, it's LA. I don't know. There's a there's a less. Um, I don't know. I guess I, I I have a less warm feeling about those fans in LA because it's hard to it, it's hard to see. I, look, I don't want to. Sorry, LA. I don't want to. You, you know, you to feel like I'm I'm dumping on you. But like, what's a loyal LA fan in the in a, for an NFL team that? hasn't been in LA recently, you know, they've had a few different teams in LA. There was the LA Raiders at one point, the, the Rams were in LA at one point, then they were in St. Louis. Now they're back to LA. Like there's not this rabid fan base that's been there for 50 some years. What is it? 52 years. How many years since when did that? So the Super Bowl started in what? 66. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, we got Bengals fans that have been waiting 50 plus years for this. So I don't know. Yeah. Go Bengals. Fair enough. Man. <laughs> I mean, that's where I'm at. <laughs> and, and I'm excited as much as like, listen, I, I, I said this the last, the last time we were on with, with the podcast, I like the players on the Rams. And if they weren't the Rams, I, I might actually like the team. But um, so I, I, I do have a, a part of me that would like to see Matthew Stafford go from Detroit to lifting the Lombardi trophy. There's a, I, I like Stafford and it's, po- there's, there's a, you know, a poetic um, ending to that. If, if he ends up winning the Super Bowl. but I'm equally as excited by the idea of Joey Burr, Winning the Super NFL. Bowl and just, just like, I don't know, starting the league his on legacy. Notice. Yeah, and starting his <laughs> legacy, like, like you know, his coming out party, so yes. to speak, and and doing what Pat Mahomes did a couple of years ago, and like establishing himself as like the other half of that equation, the two guys in the AFC that are going to be, you know, this juicy matchup for the next two decades yeah. that we get to watch like like you know manning yeah. and manning roger or manning brady right well and the impressive thing with joe burr too is that like this is kind of still his rookie season what did he only play like six five six games in his rookie year like he's not this is he's he was still growing and finishing his rookie season halfway through this one and yet he still dragged his team to the super bowl right yeah. so like he's he's like yeah. he's doing stuff that you know young joe montana did where he t- took the niners to you know, Super Bowl, what was he drafted? 79, and then two years later, then they're winning the Super Bowl, right? And same with, you know, Tom Brady, draft 2000, year later, right. Super Bowl. Kurt Warner the comes up. The difference is, though, yeah. the difference is, look at their stats. 
Joe Burrow's stats this year are out of this world. Yeah. If you go back and you look at, at Montana's stats in the first few years of his career, not that great. No, but that's what, that's what I'm saying. I really not that great. Same with Aikman, yeah. right? Not that great. You look at Burrow's, man, I think he, he had the highest yards per attempt in the league, and he had the highest completion percentage in the league at yeah. like 71%. Like this guy's a 71% passer, and he's averaging almost nine yards in an attempt. And people forget also that like he somehow he got lost in the mix up until the playoffs in that crowd of talented young AFC quarterbacks. And I really think it was because he lost because again last year when he started as a rookie, people there would not have been Justin Herbert for offense rookie of the year if Joe Burrow did not stay healthy if he stayed healthy. He would have won, he would have walked there with that award. And it's like that's what people forget is this year you look at the stats between all the great quarterbacks in the AFC, you look at Patrick Mahomes, you need to look at Justin Herbert, uh, Josh Allen, uh, you know, Joe Burrow, of course, like all these guys had very comparable stats as far as like output, you know, similar yardage, very similar yardage within three touchdowns of each other in like the mid to high thirties and also within two to three picks of each other. But to your point, Nick, like that's where Joey, Joey burst himself apart. It's the high yards per attempt and it's that high completion percentage and pass rating too. So not only is he getting that high volume, but he's doing it efficiently and in a winning way, right? Which even as great as other quarterbacks are, he still did it better than they did, and it was pretty obvious why. Yeah, but but he was but Aaron Rodgers wasn't even that in, in that like category as well. No, my like point is, is you're always making the point that Rodgers doesn't take chances, and he does. Uh, yeah. you're, you're both you both are on the same page with this. Your argument is he doesn't take enough chances. He protects his stats, and listen, I, I I'm not necessarily with you all the way on that. Like I I don't think Rodgers um, plays it safe. He's not Mister Dink and Dunk, but. I do agree, and, and Will, you broke this down for us a little bit this week offline, that, like, you know, Roger's stats at the end of the game uh, are not great. And when it when it does come yeah. time to take chances and, and put the team on his back, it, he's not great. And, and so to Burrow's credit, when you have that high attempt average, or sorry, yards per attempt average, and you have a high completion percentage, like, this guy is not playing safe with the ball. He's he's putting the ball down the oh, field. Some, and some of the passes that it. he's put up to Chase and yeah, Higgins and Boyd yeah. are just like crazy. Hail Marys, just like throw it up there and and trust his right. Receiver. And listen, what Chase did this year was spectacular, but he's not Devontae Adams. Nope, no, he's a rookie. Yeah, <laughs> but then and, again, yeah, Jamar Chase was, and was it is a out. talent to be able to discern when those opportunities are worth taking. Right. When you've got the matchup, when you can trust your receiver, and also where to put the ball. I mean, yeah. I used the example after the, the Buffalo game where Josh Allen threw the ball and said after the game, I, I was intending to throw it away. And then right. Knox came down with the touchdown. Right. And it's like, okay, but there there's that little bit of um, uh, maturity and kind of uh, elite quarterback spidey sense where it's like okay i'm intending to throw this ball away but if i put it here it might be caught if it's a miracle catch right like and i'm not able to tell i'm not throwing it in you know the into into the 10th row yeah of the stadium i'm throwing it away like nobody's going to be able to catch it except maybe my guy yeah maybe maybe, maybe. yeah and and joe burrow did a bunch of those throws to his receivers this year, whereas like nobody else is catching that. Probably nobody's catching it, but if somebody's catching it, it's going to be my guy. Yeah. And then his receivers were very, very talented this year, and they came down with a bunch of balls that were pretty incredible. Um, totally. But 
totally. So I'm I'm eating up the media this this week a little bit with the Super Bowl media and all these interviews and everything. And I mean, a lot of them are pretty goofy, but there's been some nuggets from Joey Burr that, that, that and I, I've really loved. And you know, one of them was just work in silence, right? What did yep. he say? Like work in don't post your don't don't be all stuff. over. And, and I love hearing that from a young guy, one of these from a generation that grew up with social media and yep. he's sitting there going, ignore social media. Don't be posting your workouts online because nobody cares. Can I be Do honest? You work you? out of the, out of the, you know, out of the light, work in silence where nobody can see you and then go and show out on the field because that's where, that's where your work is going to show and people will see it. I love that. And I love, love that, that quote too. And it's like, I'm a, I'm a, a few years older than Joe Burrow, right? So what the fuck have I done with my life? But the point being is that, <laughs> is that, my point there is that like, I love that answer because that's the mindset I try to have in my work too. And to be honest with you too, like that's the the closest I've heard to a young Tom Brady. Like we've heard those comps all yeah. year long about how he's the next Joe Montana, the next Tom Brady. And we were seeing it happen. I'm like, yeah, if, if you look to anything, it's not his project on the field. It's that mentality. It's the work in silence. And I, that's such a great quote. I really hope that other people start to like take that into, into account and like live by that because it really is a Seriously. great quote. And, yeah, it, it's Inspirational dude, man. Joe Burrow. All the young players out there. there, All the young players out there. Take that. Write it down. Print it out. Post it on your wall and look at it every day. And what I love about that, too, is that, like, no one can ever argue that Joe Burrow doesn't have confidence or swagger to him. But he's not cocky and he's not he's not bumping his chest at all opportunities because he can he's like no i'll let my play talk and then i'll just walk out in cardiac shades after i beat you on the road. you know what i'm saying like there's that effortless kind of cool but that only happens when you put in the work and you don't bang your chest about it like you're not doing the work if you're doing it just to tell people about it you got to do it because you love the work and he loves the work which is why he took lsu to a national championship basically his first year right. uh, in, in, uh, in you know in Louisiana, and then now he's taking the Bengals to the Super Bowl and his first year as a full-time starter, right? Yeah, so sure. kudos yeah, to sure. him, kudos to the Bengals. I still am picking the Rams just because I think they have a lot to lose. They got a lot riding on this game. They've been built for this moment. I think emotions are real high. There's still enough of that team that lost the Patriots a few years ago in the most boring Super Bowl of all time. So like I think that them, Sean McVay has a lot riding on the line here. I think Aaron Donald as well for his legacy really, really wants to win this game. So that's what I'm looking at is like as much as I love the Bengals. And I really think Joe Shiesty will have these guys back in here at least one more time before his career is over. I think the Rams just have all like it's the recipes right for them. That said, if the Bengals won, I wouldn't be surprised. So I'm just looking forward to a great game. Hope both teams have fun. (laughs) (laughs) Let's all just have fun. (laughs) I don't think I don't think the losing team is going to feel very, very fun at the end of it, but. I, you know, listen, on paper, the Rams are the better team. If you look at the two teams on paper, you're going, yeah, dude, the Rams are winning this. I, I mean, part of this is just me, you know, cheering for the Bengals maybe. But I, I'm going to go Bengals just because they got this feeling like this unstoppable team of destiny feeling to them. And um, they're on a roll. So, you know. That's where I'm at right now, and I don't really have a. They're going to have to overcome some things, and I think the real key matchup in this football game is the, is the Bengals' offensive line versus the Rams' defensive line, because the Rams' defensive line is probably one of the scariest in the league, and the Bengals' offensive line has had some serious issues protecting Joe Burrow. And if they think, well, 
I don't think anybody thinks this, but Joe Burrow, I think he got sacked nine times. Am I, do I have that number right? Nine times yeah. against the Titans? Against Titans, that's, that's spot yeah. Nine times. Nine times. Like, that and is Rams front is crazy. better. Crazy. Yeah. pass rush is better, undeniably. So the Bengals managed to win against the Titans after letting Burrow get sacked nine times. The only reason that's possible is because the Titans can't score points fast enough to get a big lead and put and, their foot and Ryan on Tannehill. Right, know, and put their foot the on the Bengals' throat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Tannehill threw three picks. So your recipe for winning with nine, letting up nine sacks is Tannehill throwing three picks and the Titans not being able to score very fast, which is just not how they're built. The Rams are the opposite, right? And you made this point. Well, like, obviously Stafford is an inarguably better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill. And the Rams are one of the best teams in the league at scoring points fast and lots of them. If they jump jump out to a big lead against the Bengals and Burrow's getting sacked left, right, and center, <laughs> sorry, Bengals, you're not winning the game. Like, they have to find some way to protect Burrow and, and you know, figure out how to, to get more out of their offensive line, whether that means, you know, bringing in extra guys protection, max protecting, have running backs or tight ends or, or whatever whatever the case may be. But they got to do something. Yeah. And now one, one of the things that I was looking at um, since the conference championships was just exactly what happened in the second half with the Chiefs offense and the, the Bengals defense. The Bengals defense, and, and let's put this out there uh, up front, um, they made some fantastic adjustments. They've been playing above what I think anyone was kind of predicting them. But they're just really good at just doing their jobs. They're always where they're supposed to be. So to me, I, I see it as very good coaching. Their guys are always where they need to be. Um, so that's fantastic. But on the flip side of things, I was wondering how Kansas City, as potent an offense as they had, how they were so ineffective in the second half. And it looked, watching the broadcast uh, film, that Patrick Mahomes had nowhere to throw. And there was a bunch of coverage sacks or coverage uh, you know, null plays where he had to throw it away or, or run for short yardage. And... Um, Watching the film gave a little bit of a different story. So Bengals made this great adjustment at second half where all of a sudden they decided, okay, no, like we need to put more guys in coverage. We can't cover Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and uh, like the Kansas City receiving core is extremely athletic and dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the Bengals pulled back into coverage. They had seven and eight guys dropping on almost every play. Uh, they were basically just rushing the down linemen. And what happened all of a sudden was what was working in the first half for Patrick Mahomes, where if he just extended the play, kept the ball in his hand a little bit longer, he could just wait for his receivers athleticism to take over that and long. it happened on both the, the Kelsey touchdown and the, and the Hill touchdown in the first half where he just waited for them to outrun out athlete, the guys covering them. 
and get open. And that was great. But all of a sudden in the second half with Bengals dropping seven, eight guys, the windows are tighter. And because the Bengals just like really locked in on, on their spacing and their timing and getting the guys where they needed to be, Mahomes was still trying to extend the play, even to the point where he was ditching the early reads and trying to extend the play and then just find somebody open. The plays break down and he's not looking for specific routes and specific windows. He's trying to extend the play with his feet. And it's very, very difficult to have your eyes and your feet lined up in the right position. And those windows are tighter and his throws were a little bit more off target because his feet weren't set. He wasn't anticipating the defense. He was reacting to it. Uh, and you saw a big difference. Now, how that plays into the Super Bowl, my prediction, um, they're not going to get away with that. Cincinnati's not going to get away with that nearly as much with the Rams offense. I think Stafford um, is less prone to the improvisation and more likely to jump on those early reads and take what they give him. Yeah, absolutely. I think they need to step it up again from what they've done so far. I think they need to shift it into another gear if they want to shut down the Rams offense. Uh, What worked against Kansas City is not necessarily going to work coming up against the Rams. No, definitely not. Definitely not. And what we've seen with the Rams is a chemistry between Matt Stafford and his receivers that, you know, Matt Stafford's not the guy that's going to be running all over the field. No. And him and especially him and Cooper Cup, especially, but he's developed some pretty quick chemistry with uh, OBJ as well in some of these timing routes. Um, I mean, Cup specifically, he's hitting Cup on all sorts of timing routes, quick or otherwise. And he's throwing to those very tight windows and he's throwing them open. So like you say, Will, they're, they're going to, there's going to have to be a different strategy um, to, uh, to put a, put a lid on that. Um, okay. So in this era of parody, we've seen, well, it's interesting if, if I, so I was looking at it a little bit, guys, I was doing some research this week and it, it was, I was thinking to myself, you know, over the last decade, we've seen a lot of close games and it, what got me thinking about it was this playoffs. We've seen so many close games, this playoffs, we've seen multiple games going to overtime and uh, most of the games ending on the last play of the game or the last drive of the game or, you know, coming down to the wire which has been super entertaining. And it made me think that, wow, like we've had a lot of close games and a lot of close Super Bowls in the last little bit. Because I remember growing up and watching the Super Bowl in the, in the 90s, and it usually wasn't much of a mystery who was going to win. Once no, you got NFC. The, Bowl, the NFC is going to kill the AFC. Like It's it's not even going to be close. And so if you were a fan of the NFC, like, uh, you know, Will, you and I, the Niners-Cowboys was, <laughs> was a massive rivalry for – you know, the better part of the early nineties, it was like one of those two teams is going to the Super Bowl, And if they go, they're going to win. Um, so the Super Bowl really wasn't the, su- the, the Super Bowl of the season was the NFC championship. But since then, I know there's some Buffalo fans who are just going to hate on us for this, but yeah, <laughs> that that's what it felt like. Uh, yeah, particularly right? as kids growing up, it was like the biggest game of the year right. was going to be the NFC championship. 
and then you get to the Super Bowl, and you get to beat the Bills. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, I mean, <laughs> they made it competitive against the against the Giants. They kind of got waxed every other one, but right. hey, at least they tried. Well, yeah, but it was almost every year, right? It was like the Steelers made it one year, and it's like, yeah, but you're not going to win, you know. And then like um, the Chargers made it one year, it's like, yeah, but you got you got killed. Like the Niners just dusted you. And then you know who else made it there one year? Oh, Atlanta got there one year, and they just got clobbered. So, uh, you know, it, there wasn't much mystery, I guess. And since then, we've been kind of spoiled. At least this is the way I felt. But I wanted to go back and look at the numbers. Like, what really is the margin of victory over the last little while? So, listen, this is a little bit arbitrary, but I kind of broke it down like this. I looked at the Super Bowls between 66 and 1980 as kind of like the early era of the Super Bowl. Then I looked at 1980 to 2000, where it was kind of like uh, – I don't want to call anything the golden age, but like that's where football really exploded and, and, and had some real huge growth in popularity. Um, and we've obviously seen another era sort of since 2000, which has been an even you know, bigger explosion in popularity and a changing of how football is played, right? Like pre 2000, there was a lot more defensive football. There was a lot less throwing. There's, you know, you weren't seeing the gaudy stats that you do today. And since 2000, we've seen it progress, you know, more and more and more and more where you have these quarterbacks throwing for ridiculous amounts of yards and touchdowns and bigger and better every single year. And the NFL has changed along with the rules to promote more scoring and promote more passing and excitement. And that's how they're getting new fans. Um, to, to watch the games. Did the numbers actually match up to that though? So I broke it down originally. I looked at just average margin of victory, which isn't entirely fair because my eras here are basically the last decade. Then the 2000 to 2010, I broke that down into a decade. So I looked at those separately, the last two decades. And then I did 81 to 2000. And then I did 66 to 80. So these are not all the same time frames. They're a bit arbitrary. But between 66 and 1980, the average margin of victory in the Super Bowl was 13.26 points. So roughly just under two touchdowns. From 1981 to 2000, the average margin of victory was 18 and a half points. (laughs) The era of no mystery. We know who's yeah. going to win the Super Bowl. It's not that exciting, <laughs> right? Between 2001 and 2010, the average margin of victory was 8.6 points. And in the last decade, the average margin of victory is 11.7 points. So we've seen it tick up. And I got to think that has to do with the, you know, something to do with the changing rules. And the higher scoring games more scoring on both sides, both team by both teams ends up meaning that it's more likely that the game's going to finish with more than a touchdown difference between the teams. But average doesn't actually tell you how close the games are. You're averaging an entire decade of games. So if one game was 27 points, it throws the whole thing out of the window, like out of whack. So then I went in and I looked at how many games, though, how many games in those eras, in each of those brackets, 
finished within a touchdown. Because to me, that's the mark of a close game. If you're finishing within one score, that's a really exciting, you know, compelling finish to a Super Bowl. Between 66 and 80, there was three games that ended within a touchdown. Between 1981 and 2000, so this is the biggest chunk of years that I looked at. 20 years of football, 20 years of Super Bowls. There was three Super Bowls that ended within a touchdown. <laughs> three. Wow. <laughs> teams no were mystery. Getting, you know, to quote Phil, teams were getting waxed. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely clobbered. Between 2001 and 2010, there was six games that finished within a touchdown. So think back to those games. You've got the Rams and Titans in 2000 and what? 2000? No, 2001. Then you've got uh, the Giants, Patriots. Um, what was that? That was within a touchdown. You've yep. got like you've got some really close games in that in that decade. And then in the last ten years, there's been four games within a touchdown. So, in the last twenty years, if you if you want to put a twenty year group, you know the, the the last twenty years versus the twenty years between 1980 and 2000. There was 10 games, 10 Super Bowls that finished within a touchdown. And the 20 years before that, there was three. So we are in an era of parity. There is more likely going to be an exciting finish. But it's not guaranteed. There have been some blowouts in the last 10 years. And I'm thinking Seahawks-Broncos, which was just an absolutely terrible Super Bowl. And, uh, And even last year. Like last year, the the Bucks beat the um, sorry, yeah, the Bucks won by what twenty two points. Yeah, something like that. So, yeah, yeah, thirty one to nine. Yeah, so again, not all that exciting. So hopefully, what we've seen this playoffs with all these games finishing in overtime and on the last possession and, and game winning field goals, like cross your fingers. Hopefully, we get something exciting. I, I think we will. I think we will. I, I, you know, as much as, um, yeah, I do think the Rams are stronger on paper. I've, I've picked them um, to win. Uh, and, and to a certain degree, I'm, I'm rooting for them. Although um, there's a lot of story lines that I, I would be happy with if the, the Bengals won. Um, but honestly, more than, even though Stafford is a great, great storyline, um, I would love to see Aaron Donald get a ring. Yeah. I yeah, think okay. so. because his his position in history, how strong he's been as a defender, um, winning defense player of the year three times, right? Yep, three times. Um, you know, we, we always talk about how difficult it is to get to the Super Bowl, um, you know, as long as your name's not Tom Brady. Uh, but <laughs> it takes a lot of factors to come together at the right time with the right kind of mesh points for, for you to um, make it to a Super Bowl, And I don't know how many opportunities Aaron Donald's going to get, particularly with the way the Rams have structured their team this year, yeah. where it's they're, they're, they're going all in it's they've made every free agency bargain. They've given away their draft picks to make this team the best it possibly can be. Um, it's not to say they can't 
pull a rabbit out of their hat, but I I think they're going to have some lean years coming up, and I don't know when next we see Aaron Donald in a Super Bowl. Um, so I, I think it'd be really cool to see him get a ring. That's a great point, yeah, Will. Yeah, I think I like I, yeah, it, it, it'd be a great legacy game for him because it's like that would put him onto a sh- very short list of defensive guys who are responsible for a Super Bowl. And not just maybe one, but like potentially multiple too. Like that puts him on a short list with guys like Sugar Ray Lewis, you know, obviously Lawrence Taylor, Reggie White won a Super Bowl with the Packers. Like that's a very elite group of men that have won, you know, multiple defensive players of the year and have like been the, like a driving factor beyond winning a Super Bowl too. As great as J.J. Watt was, and I am a huge J.J. Watt fan, I think is I think this story could be a little different if he didn't kind of get sidetracked by injuries his career, but he could never take his Houston team or even the Cardinals team to a Super Bowl. But now Aaron Donald has led two di- very different Rams teams twice to that Super Bowl, and hopefully this time around, he doesn't, if he doesn't have the goat standing his way, maybe he's a little more victorious. But yeah, it's a lot. Speaking of the goat, like a lot of legacy talk this week, right? Like that's something that I think we got to talk about with Aaron Donald too. It's like that I think might put on a short list of like top you know five defensive players of all time, and I don't think that's hyperbolic either. I think if you had a Super Bowl win and he's the reason that they kind of got dragged in there, like you, you saw the sidelines of that San Francisco game. Sorry, Nikki, just talking mm-hmm. life into that, you know, Rams defense and breathing life into me. Like, listen, yeah. like we worked too damn hard to not be playing in two weeks. Right. So there's stuff like that where it's like very, very, especially with the, the way that the rules are set up these days too, where it's like, you can't even breathe in a guy without giving up a 15 yard penalty and an automatic first down, let alone like, I don't know, somehow four points or something. Like it's crazy how biased it is for offenses. And yet he's still, is such a difference maker that he will actually move the needle as far as win percentage goes. There's very, very, very few defenders I can think of that have done that this past Absolutely. decade consistently, Absolutely. except for Aaron Donald. So if he does win a Super Bowl, I think for my personal ranking, he goes right up in top five all-time players. He's right. You can make an argument that he's right up there with, with Sugar Ray if he wins a Super Bowl. And as far as I, I, I won't, I won't be hurt if if TJ Watt wins Defensive Player of the Year this year. I, I think he he's. It. I think he's the odds-on guy to to take it, um, particularly tying that sack record. That's awesome. But looking at the full spectrum of stats uh, for defensive linemen, I personally am more impressed by what Aaron Donald did this year than what TJ Watt did. With all of his tackles, all of his additional pressures, his run-stopping ability, as well as his sacks, it's the full body of work, the impact that he has on the game, to me, he is a more valuable piece. I would go out, I would hire him. If I'm with GM, I would get him before I would get TJ Watt. And if that doesn't make you defensive player of the year, I don't know what does. I don't know what does. Yeah, good point. So, I mean, like, I I don't know whether, I think he's inarguably, you know, up there in the echelon of, of defensive players of all time. I don't know that a Super Bowl necessarily makes me, you know, for D lineman, it's not the same as a quarterback, right? Like a quarterback, if you don't win a Super Bowl, it's a real, it's a real hit to your legacy. Like it, you know, you have a lot of people questioning how great you were if you didn't win a Super Bowl as a quarterback, it, you know, and it affects your your Hall of Fame ballot. As a D lineman, I don't think that really is the case. He's won three Defensive Player of the Year awards. Like, there's only one other guy that did that, and that's JJ. So you're already there, but it, it it's nice to see. It would be nice to see a guy who is that great. And there's too many defensive players that are great that never even sniff a Super Bowl. Yeah. 
So yeah, that's the thing. It's longevity. For him or, to get or guys there. like Bruce Smith that right. sniffed it four times. Yeah, and, well, and that's still it. Still couldn't walk home with one. But yeah, if you look and, yeah. at the list of of defensive players of the year that haven't won a Super Bowl. Like Luke Keekley never won a Super Bowl. It's a long right? list of guys. Khalil Mack has never even come close. Not even yeah, not even close to getting to one. Uh, Suggs got one. Gilmore got one. Right. Yeah, he got one with the Pats 2018 um, against the Rams. Alamalu got one. Charles Woodson, did he get one? Charles Woodson with the one. Packers. He got one with the Packers. Packers. Yeah. You know, Harrison got one. Like, there's there's definitely a lot of them did get one. Jason Taylor never got one. Earl Acker certainly didn't get one. You know, but it's it's nice to see those guys who are that great. You know, especially somebody who's won it three times. Like, you're nobody else has done that. Okay, if you go through that list of the guys that I just ran through, they only ever won it once. They had one season. They won Defensive Player of the Year, and that was it. And they were they were great players. And a lot of those are Hall of Famers. You know, the fact that he's won it three times and he's probably top five defensive player of all time. Yeah, it would be nice to to put that feather in his cap as well. That yes, he was a Super Bowl champion. So I I can see that from from that perspective. Um. You know who else would be cool to see get a Super Bowl? And and I'm going to go off script here a little bit. <laughs> Eric Weddle. Can we talk about Eric yes. Weddle for a little I'm bit? Like, I want to give, yeah, give a little bit of a – you know, I want to give some props. That was Eric one of Weddle, my favorite okay? storylines yeah. when I heard he got signed out of retirement. And look where he is I love now. This. I love this. He was one of my fi- my favorites when he was playing, okay? And I, he still is, but he's, he's playing. But listen. He retired two years ago. So when he was playing, he was one of my favorites. And then when the playoffs started, and I'm watching the Rams, and I see him flash across the screen and make this, this you know, go barreling in there like a like a rocket and, and make a tackle. And I'm going, wait a second. No. Is that, is that Eric Weddle? Is he still playing? Playing pickup hoops a month ago. When did, yeah. when did he? I thought he was gone. Yeah. I haven't seen him around. He's, he's still kicking around? Like, yeah. Was he just like, it was the was he on the practice was... squad? Like, what's going on here? Anyways, <laughs> I find out that he got signed just for the playoffs. And if you look through, just I'll get through this. Just hang on to your point there, Will. <laughs> yeah, no problem. If you go through this playoffs, okay, I think he played 17 snaps in the wild card round, okay? Then he played 60 snaps in the divisional round. In the conference championship, this man, who was sitting on his couch three weeks before, played all 50 defensive snaps and led the team with nine tackles and one tackle for a loss. In the playoffs, he leads the team, I think, with 13 tackles. Nobody else has made as many tackles as he has in these playoffs. And, yeah, he'll be calling plays next week. He's calling plays in the Super Bowl too. He's the defensive play caller for the for the Rams in the Super Bowl. So like every week, oh his responsibility gosh. for that defense has gone this way. It's crazy. <laughs> like he was playing pickup basketball a month ago, and now he's gonna be calling plays in the Super Bowl for a team where he's like, I'm just happy to be here. What's your point? Oh my gosh! <laughs> and yeah, so I saw an interview with him this week, and it was just it was just wonderful. And he's going, yeah, it's great. And then next week, I'm done. Like this isn't a comeback. Don't call it a comeback. I'm just done. I'm going to go back to sit on my couch and I'm going to be happy about it. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought it was hilarious when, when uh, I think the first game that he came out and played, they, they told the story. Um, what was it? I think it was uh, Raheem Morris that actually called him up. And his first question was, uh, Hey, Hey Eric, are you fat? <laughs> <laughs> you, you in shape? 
Okay. We no, I'm not fat. Okay. <laughs> come on out. Yeah. So you know what? Well done, Eric Weddle. I'm with you. I like, I love it. I love that you're back playing and you know, give him hell. Yeah. Great I, stuff, I'd love man. to see him. Just great something. stuff. Love it. <laughs> so, um, idea for a future podcast. We're going to, we're going to pull this together. Um, we are going to do a podcast on the best. The, the, I, I don't know how we're going to do this, whether it should be a list or we all just nominate a guy, a couple guys or whatever, but the best players to ever retire and then come back. Oh, that's a great like, idea. I love like the that. best comebacks, you know, and, and I, I don't know how we should define this, whether we should allow guys like Brett Favre, who, you know, quote unquote, retired and then immediately came back. But and, and and then do we uh, do we include the um, involuntary time offs, uh, the the Mike Vicks and Plaxico Burrises and these kind of guys that right like mid career uh, retire but yeah mid career like they're still young men and then I in feel the prime, like I think I feel like because like, per- I like this idea Nikki I feel like for the purpose of this this chat I feel like we should leave those guys out of it and just focus on the guys who walked away in the sunset figured you know what i kind of want one more crack at glory and then came back and got it i feel like that's a good i feel like we, we'd have a lot of fun doing right. around walked away i retire and i take Eon a whole season Ravens. off like i am yeah. out of football for a season and then i come back yeah you know i let jason Witten. although i don't know that he's gonna make our list of best comebacks but <laughs> no <laughs> Nope, his his broadcasting, and and he was not ineffective when he came back. Uh, right. But it but it wasn't a triumphant no. uh, comeback. No, so a, I don't know how how long that list is though. So we're gonna have to do some research. Yeah. So uh, yeah, listeners, just stay tuned. We'll uh, we'll put that into a future. Hold episode. us accountable. Tweet us if it takes yeah. us too long to get this episode. Yeah, that, that, that'll be a good one. That'll be a good one. Okay, so listen, we've been. Uh, I, have we beaten this one to death? Like. Is there anything else we need to talk about with the Super Bowl? I feel like we've we've covered a lot. We've talked it all. We've talked everything. Aaron Donald's legacy, yeah. potentially like you know, legacy for Joe Burrow. Obviously, Matt Stafford. I think honestly, that might be the last thing we we got to talk about is maybe what this means for Matt Stafford. Like, where does this break him? I think he's got a lot more work to do if he wants to climb that the tiers of uh, of all time quarterbacks. I think I think yeah. with a win, he's probably top maybe thirty or forty all time. Let's say. Yeah. And I mean, even even that's maybe a little too high. Let's just say top fifty comfortably, just by as far as like sheer stats goes, but. Yeah, man. Like, I'm really pumped for this week's Super Bowl. Like, I can't. Like, this is this one. Honestly, like last time I was this pumped for a Super Bowl might have been. Well, last year was great, but then also like Chiefs and Niners too. As far as like two new teams who haven't really been around for a while, that one two years ago. So, I'm yeah. really excited for this one. All right. So here, one more question of the teams that. So we got this year. We got the the Bengals in the Super Bowl. They've never won a Super Bowl. So of the teams that exist that have never won a Super Bowl. Which team do you think has the best chance of making it to the Super Bowl? Uh, how should I frame this? I don't know. In the next few years? Because hmm. <laughs> if you look at the list of teams that have never won a Super Bowl, um, most of them aren't even close to winning a Super Bowl. So. Well, the, the one that jumps out to me is Titans, but to me it's more like, are we going to start now pulling a Rams and maybe do we get bold on our quarterback decisions? Like maybe do we decide that Ryan Tannehill, we need something better. Like this team is good enough to win, yeah. but maybe we need someone a little more splashy than Ryan Tannehill. And maybe someone who was, you know, not going to throw a pick to start the half and the half or start both halves and then end the game. 
right? So it's like maybe we need someone who's who can do a little bit more and elevate the people around him because you got AJ Brown, you got you still have Julio Jones, you still have Derrick Henry, and yeah. Dante Foreman's not a bad Derrick Henry light. So no, totally. Like, that's totally. what I'm saying. It's like you. It's not like this team is without weapons. It's more just they're the ones that I think can be the closest ones. It's just do they need they need a quarterback? And okay, I saw which one do you want? Which which fan base? Let's 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 frame the question this way. Which fan base do you think most deserves, deserves a Super Bowl that they've never won? Honestly, and this is rich coming from me. I'm gonna go Buffalo because yeah. and I've been in that in that Viper's nest watching games before where the Pats jersey on where they're hissing at me and I'm walking around with six fingers held up and my buddies has zero fingers held up. So I get like, I get it. Like I've tormented them enough. I think recently Josh Allen, what he's done and what he's met for that community has been awesome. And it's, it's honestly kind of heart, heart order. Like people like the bills, they kind of took the shine away from the Bengals, but like the bills are like the proto Bengals as far as like, you know, yeah. shitty franchise down. It's like somehow turns it around. The Bengals did it faster and quicker and like kind of came out of nowhere. But I think, yeah, the, the bills, I think really deserve one. They went four straight, obviously in the nineties. We were talking, we were talking about it, got absolutely boat raced basically three out of those four times missed out on a heartbreak the first time. So I think that if any team, I want them to get one and then enjoy talking, trying to talk shit to me the rest of your career. It's like, again, six to one. You still got a lot of yeah. a lot of work to catch up on. Yeah, so. totally. Totally. Yeah. Okay. I can feel you. I feel you on that one. That's that's a good one. Will, not sure what team, one, but yeah. Yeah. Which team do you feel like most, what, what fan base do you think most deserves a Super Bowl for the first time? Most, uh, most deserves? That's, that's tricky. I don't know. I, I mean. Or what, that you want to see, that okay. you would want to see. I picked the Bills to win this Super Bowl. Yeah. And I thought they were ready. I see no reason why they can't be ready next year. Um, they have a very talented team. They're definitely the closest. They're, They're definitely, definitely the closest. To winning a Super Bowl that the team and, has never. And the fact that they have been the closest. Yeah. More than any other franchise in history. It's almost um, worse that they have been close so many times and they've never won it as opposed to other teams that just have never even sniffed it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, like the, the Lions are not winning a Super See, Bowl. okay. So that's you, 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 you said <laughs> it, but that's my, that's the team I would most want to see like that fan base get a Super Bowl. And it's mainly because, look, it was a toss up. Honestly, I was sitting here looking at Cleveland and, and the Lions because the Cleveland. You know, Cleveland Browns have been really bad for a long time. But the Cleveland Browns won championships. They didn't. They just didn't do it in the Super Bowl era. Yeah, exactly. They so, were dominant right before the Super Bowl era. Yes, You're exactly. Right. They were dominant. Exactly. So, you know what? I mean, I know Cleveland, it's been a long time. It's been 55 years or whatever it is since the Super Bowl started. But to me, the Lions are the ones who deserve the Super Bowl. And and to see that fan base get a Super Bowl would be like watching the Cubs get a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? It would be Especially like... Especially with Jared Goff at quarterback. Like, come on. Jared deserves this too. <laughs> Dan Campbell, honestly, biting kneecaps on his way up. Like, there's... We talked about it all season with Dan Campbell. Like, there is a difference in how yeah. he coached a team that was bereft of talent and losing. And there's a difference in how they played versus how every other team with a Absolutely. comparable or better roster yeah. underperformance. Like, man, like, he's... Scrappy. He's, he squeezed every ounce of lemon of juice out of that lemon that was this the lemon that literally was a That's right, and he didn't he get squeezed fired for every it, ounce like of juice Flores. out of it. But like the <laughs> fact that he won three games in his last what six or seven, like dude, I know. the Lions I know. were peaking, and it's and like they had like, no business winning three games. And they just need to keep adding pieces <laughs> in the draft. It, all honestly, they need to have like a even if they have like a fifty percent success rate or forty percent success rate as far as like quality picks in the next two three drafts, they're competitive. Once Aaron Rodgers decides to like you know quit on well, his 
the time is now. Their time is now. Oh, absolutely. You need to start preparing for the the post Aaron Rodgers era in the NFC North because it's imminent. There's going to be a power vacuum. Oh yeah, <laughs> and it's oh, yeah. You you know you got to start thinking about how you're going to fill the void and and take that top spot. Yeah. So the other one that struck me when I was looking at this list of teams who've never won the Super Bowl, which which you're gonna you're gonna love this one, Phil. The Atlanta the Atlanta Falcons have never won the Super Bowl, and, and it's and even more painful that they were up twenty eight to three in a Super Bowl, and they were basically guaranteed a win until Brady did Brady and took it away from them. Like, how painful is that? You've never won a Super Bowl, and yet you're up twenty eight to three in the Super Bowl. Sorry, Atlanta. I mean, that's gotta hurt too. So you know, you're a you're a you're a runner up for me someday. And the Niners beat them in in the nineties. Yeah. Oh no, it was no sorry. No, no, it wasn't us, right? Who who beat them in the nineties? We beat the, the, the Chargers, Bron- right? Broncos, yeah, the Broncos uh, repeated against the Falcons in I think ninety eight. That was oh, the, really? the Falcons. Yeah, those are those are the Falcons beat like upset. Oh, that's right. The, the Vikings and then got clobbered by John Elway in his last game. That's right. That's right. Okay, that's it for me. I think we I think we killed this one. I think so too. Okay, awesome. That was awesome. Let's, let's Great job, guys. Cool. Great wait. job by you. <laughs> okay. Looking forward to the Super Bowl. We'll, yeah. Uh, catch awesome. up next week when uh, we know who's a, who's a winner. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess we're going to have a lot to talk about next week. Hopefully it's a good Super Bowl. So. Uh, we're gonna have we're gonna have some thoughts uh, either way. We're uh, we're never short on opinions, so uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Excited to, uh, to sit down and, and watch the last. Excited and also a little sad. This is Super Bowl Sunday is always a little melancholic for me. It's like the the bittersweet end of the season, yeah, like last football game of the season, the culmination like, of the whole season, but also yeah. the end. Yeah, I know it's the best game of the season, but it's also kind of like. It's oh, the perfect it's climax. Yeah, it's impotent over. yet unfulfilling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, usually, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but no, no, it's true. Like, and that's the thing. Like, no, the sport really comes close. So, yeah, I'm gonna be really like going crazy the next seven months as we, you know, get excited about the draft and the combine and all the other stuff yeah. in the NFL. Fills the calendar with to keep us plebs entertained. Wonderful. So, wonderful yeah. stuff. All right, we're gonna have to dive into that. We're all gonna have to get into that the, that draft prep mode and, and college scouting mode. <laughs> put, put our analyst hats on. <laughs> That's right. Okay, awesome guys. Great job, and uh, we'll do it again next week. Cheers, fellas. Take care. Take care.